just want you to know that I was the head of that horse. It's good to be here. It's um, always a little bit of a reunion, I guess, to get back to People's Church. And I was thinking this morning we were in the old building, the small building, and then we saw the other expansion. And we're just privileged to be able to come back and see what God is doing here. And so I wanted to sing a song about my dad today. My dad died of Alzheimer's. And I just, uh, as he was dying, and, and I would come beside his bed and look in his, in, in his eyes, and sometimes they were so distant. And I just was wondering, am I in there any place? Uh, does, he, does he know me anymore? Does my name or my face ever cross his mind? And then I thought that perhaps he on the inside might just be looking out and saying, is there anybody out there? And I tried to find a way to describe Alzheimer's somehow and write a song about it. And I wrote a song called, When Time Has Pulled Down All the Shades. And don't wait too long to say the things you need to say. At a stage where he was, it's too late to say some of the things. And so my dad was a horse trader. Many times he came home with a horse and no groceries. And my mom would say, Arthur, where's the grocery money? And he would say, isn't that a pretty mare? And, uh, and you know, if you read my uh, article on Facebook that I grew up hating horses because of that very thing. Then my dad never went to church, never ever darkened the door of a church. He uh, never even came to our weddings. He never had anything to do with church. But sometimes when he would come home with a horse and no groceries, he'd throw his head back on this little couch that we had and he'd play the harmonica and he'd play songs like, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And I had a hard time reconciling those things. So I grew up to hate the harmonica and the horse. And you know, if you've got one of our CDs, Legends, Legacies, and Lullabies, there's a song called The, the, horse, the Harp on the Horse. Because you know what? Isn't it ironic that I would hate a horse and I'm going to come back with the Lord Jesus on a white horse? <laughs> Doesn't God have a sense of humor? But I know how to ride bareback, folks. And the two things that probably I resented are two of the favorite things in my life in all of those difficulties and the things that I resented were the very things that brought me to Jesus Christ. And so I want to sing a song just as a tribute to my dad today. It's called, When Time Has Pulled Down All the Shades. I remember him in his tender years, no horse too wild to ride. We fished the ash in Austin's hole, no buck from us could hide But his thoughts, they all run together All the faces in places are frayed And I wonder how much he remembers Now the time has pulled down all the shades Well, I knock and I wonder if he knows That I'm standing here outside I softly stroke his silver hair And look in those distant eyes Could it be I still run through some hallway? Is there any sense now that I've stayed? I knock and nobody answers Now the time has pulled down all the shades 
Well, sometimes he laughs and sometimes he cries. Sometimes he's forever young. Sometimes there's a stranger that nobody sees, and sometimes a song is sung. But I'd like to walk through that doorway. There's still some things that I'd like to say. But I knock and nobody answers. Now the time has pulled down all the shades. Well, I knock and I wonder if he knows. That I'm standing here outside. I softly stroke that silver hair and look in those distant eyes. Could it be I still run through some hallway? Is there any sense now that I've stayed? I knock and nobody answers. Now the time has pulled down all the shades. Here's the hope that we have, folks. How I look for the day when Jesus will come and break through those clouds in the sky and change these old bodies now broken and bent just as quick as a wink of an eye. And though I see through a glass darkly, in His presence all shadows will fade. And we'll share in sweet memories together when God has removed all the shades. When God has removed all the shades. Amen. What a hope we have, huh? You turn in your Bibles, please, this morning to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5. Deuteronomy, chapter 5. It's always intimidating to speak at People's Church because of all the staff at the Bible School that would be here, famous professors like Keith McMahon and uh, Bob Booker, <laughs> Dave Mead. I, I've, I've taken me a long time to get over Dave Mead, but I have. Uh... <laughs> I'll tell you why. It took me a long time to get over him. When I got to the Bible School, I had... I have a lot of computer skills, and I had a, one of the keys was sticking on my keyboard. I had just typed in with two fingers my entire commentary on the book of James. And when Dave Mead walked by the door, I said, Dave, there's a key sticking here, and he came in and fixed it really good. I lost the entire book of James. So, uh... <laughs> and so, uh... Good to see Mr. Boynton. We just came from Sawyerville and had some neat things happen in Sawyerville. Uh, some people were saved there. I think there was a, well, let me share a little bit about it. We, we went to one of the homes there in, in, in Barry, right next door. And right in the middle of my message, a um, lady had been heckling me during the concert. And uh, right in the middle of the message, she said, um, I was saying, you know, it's important you have Christ in your life. And she just said, let's do it now. I said, what? Let's do this now. And the guy next door said, yeah, let's do it now. And then somebody else on the other side said, let's do it now. I had to stop my preaching to lead him to Christ. So that's pretty good. You know, long-winded guys like us, we should stop long before we do and let God do his work. But that was really neat. And so we just came back from uh, a tour of the entire province of Ontario and um, Quebec and got in on Wednesday night. 
And so we're really glad to be here. And so uh, in, in the book of Deuteronomy this morning, I want to look at a great verse. I should be there by now. But um, Down in verse 16, Honor thy father and thy mother, as the Lord thy God has commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. You notice that tremendous verse of Scripture here. And when you come over to chapter 6, we'll read a few verses down through chapter 6 as well. Now, these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son, thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore Israel and observe to do it, that it might be well with thee, and that you may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised thee in a land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in the house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and thou shalt be, they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on the gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of good things which thou fillest not, and wells dig which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees, that which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. We'll just stop reading there this morning. Let's just look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we consider it a great privilege today to be able to say our Father. Because there was a day we could not say that. We were of our Father the devil, unsaved, unclean, sinners headed for hell. And thank you for the great day in our life when you sent Christ, the sinless, harmless, holy Son of God, to become, Lord, a sacrifice for our sin on the cross. And Lord, when he was finished paying for our sin, we took him down and buried him, and he rose again on the third day. And Lord, you said that you would declare your name amongst your brethren. And we find you saying to Mary, I go to my father, and to your Father, so that a provision was made for us to become children of God. And we're really grateful today that we can say, Father, Lord, that's been weighing heavy on my heart this week. And how many times they don't give it the honor it deserves. And so today I pray that your Holy Spirit might be pleased, despite the weakness of the vessel, but through the power of the Word, do something special in our midst that, Lord, you would get the glory for. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. When boys are young, sometimes they brag about their dads. One guy said, my dad's so smart he can talk for one hour on any subject. And a little guy said, my dad's so smart he can talk for two hours on any subject. The little guy said, my dad's so smart he can talk for three hours and he doesn't even need a subject. So, so days that we speak about our dads. 90% of runways, runaways and homeless children are from fatherless homes. So are 
3% of teens who commit suicide. It's an, ep an epidemic. Every day I turn on Facebook, there's some teenager that has written a note suggesting that suicide is going to take place. And they come from, 63% of them, from fatherless homes. 39% of jail inmates, when it comes to kids' well-being, nothing is more beneficial than a loving, supporting relationship with their fathers. And this article from this uh, prison magazine said, as part of our calling to redeem the effects of crime through the gospel and see true generational impact, we are commi committed to training men and women behind bars to fulfill their God-given potential as moms and dads. Every day we see parents coming to realize what an important, positive role they can play in their children's lives. A man named Jason in prison wrote this, I have turned my life over to my Father in heaven to do with as he sees fit. I got a newspaper from a fellow Christian at our last prison church service. One article in particular drew me to my knees and made me cry and beg to God to forgive me and to help me with my journey of repairing my relationship with my three boys, age 13, 18, and 19. The article was entitled, Becoming a Better Dad. I want to be a father, he said, like my father in heaven is to me. And so I want to certainly extend happy Father Day, Father's Day wishes to uh, all the dads today. We got a beautiful card, my wife's so thoughtful, with a, with a little lighthouse on it, and um, I love lighthouses, and I'm doing a little bit of pencil art now, so I'm drawing a little, a couple little things called uh, seascapes and sketching out lighthouses. And then she got me three chocolate bars, 74% chocolate. And I think I went in the room, and my insurance papers are all out there, so she's trying to harden up my arteries, I think. <laughs> but uh, happy Father's Day today. Father's Day originated in 1909. A lady named Sonora Dodd. Uh, her dad had raised six children after her mother died, and she felt after hearing a Mother's Day message that maybe we ought to honor dads as well. And she began to encourage churches to do that. And then the first Father's Day celebration was in Washington in uh, June 1910. And then an official holiday in the U.S. was declared in 1972. So it's not really all that old to us. When you look into the scriptures, you find the first reference to fathers is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. It says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. It's an amazing scripture, you know. When I see people, um, guys find wives in China, and they fly all the way from China to here, and then he won't leave his mother for crying out loud. There's something wrong with that picture. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother. And then following that reference, there's some 969 references to fathers in the Word of God. It refers to a biological father or a father who has adopted a child, and it sometimes could refer to a grandfather. And so we're going to consider this word this morning, and I want us to come back to Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16, where it says, Honor thy father and thy mother. After God has given the first of the Ten Commandments here, which deal with our relationship with God, having no gods before Him, uh, remembering the Sabbath day to keep it holy, and all that listing, the next commandment, when He gets to deal with our relationship with each other, He draws our attention to fathers and mothers, or the family unit, how important it was. 
If you're taking down any points, I tell people sometimes my messages have two points, sometimes three points. There have been people at the door say there was no point at all in some of them. But number one, there's a powerful commandment to honor our fathers. A powerful commandment here to honor our fathers. It's not a suggestion. It's not something that do this if you have some time. But it is a commandment. And why is it there? Well, you notice there's three things attached to this commandment. That uh, as the Lord commanded thee, honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord has commanded thee. So one of the very first things here is that it is a commandment from God. And then it has a promise attached to it. That thy days may be prolonged. That it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So not only is it a commandment, but it has a promise of long life attached to it if we honor our parents. And then number three, it says that it may be well with thee. Is that the reason why we have such chaotic conditions is that there's very little respect for fathers and for mothers. And I realize that there's not always great parents, but God has given this position. And I, if I can't honor the p person who's in the position, I certainly can honor the position of the father. And I sought to do that with my dad. And when I talk to him, this, well, I don't want to sound like I'm talking down when I mention my dad because his dad died when he was 12 years of age. And his, being the baby of the family, his mother babied him too long. And he didn't know how to be a father. And so we grew up under very difficult circumstances. There was no indoor plumbing in our house. We went to bed hungry a few times. I have very, very few memories of my dad. One is just a, a memory of him and I fishing together one time. He took me trout fishing with an old alder with a piece of twine or a fishing line curled around the end of it. And I remember in this, this hole, it mentioned it in my song, Austin's Hole. It was Austin's fishing hole. And there was a big old 14-inch trout in there. My dad uh, and I were fishing. And I had caught a fish and turned my back to my dad to take my fish off. When I turned around, my dad had caught this big 14-inch trout. It bounced on the bank. And then it went back into the brook again. And I thought, well, that's good, because I had the biggest fish at that point. And then uh, I heard a monstrous splash, and I turned around, and my dad was coming up from underneath the water with that fish by the gills. Now, that has just stuck with me as a very favorite memory of my dad. Another time was when he took me hunting, and I didn't have any rubber boots on or anything like that. And we came to some water, and he carried me across this pond, probably as wide as this auditorium, uh, on his shoulders and it just felt so good and secure as a little guy to be up there on this strong guy's shoulders and so those are just some of the very few memories that I have of my dad but I have sought uh, we released a CD uh, called the unshadowed steed it's a song that I I, I did in, as a memorial to my dad I've written several songs about my dad I've tried the best I can to honor that position that God gave to me. And I believe that God has richly blessed my life because of it. And so honor thy father and thy mother. The word honor means to value or to prize highly. It means that children living at home should show their honor by obeying their parents. I don't care if you're 40 years old and you're in the house still eating their food and enjoying their heat. Um, honor them. Uh, parents, especially fathers, should be religious leaders that help pass on the values to their kids. The word honor means to be heavy, to be weighty. And if my message had a title, I would call 
how much does your father weigh in terms of your theology about fathers? When I say something is heavy on my mind, a burden, how heavy is my father on my mind? I found myself weeping a lot this week as I thought back on my father and thought about some of the times that I'd showed disrespect for him. He, he and our neighbor, Murr Smith, never got along together ever. They hated each other, I think. One day my father and I got in quite an argument. He was going to chase me to give me one of those belting things. And um, somebody mentioned this morning, I guess, Trevor. Um, and I thought the safest place for me is in Murr Smith's house. <laughs> and I ran to that house, and every time I kept looking over my shoulder, my dad was plodding along. He didn't turn back. And I turned into Murr's driveway. I looked back over my shoulder, and he was stopped at the end of the driveway, and he followed me in and took me out of that house. And I thought that was pretty good. So to give weight to the matter that God gives to the matter of fathering, to have the same view of my father that God has of a father, to have the same view of your father that you have for God the Father, to make light of it is, is just a total opposite to paying honor. You don't refer to him as the old man or the old guy is not letting me out tonight or to make faces at him behind his back, to talk bad of him to friends is not honoring our parents. We should honor God because, honor our fathers because we honor God. And some of the things we honor God for is who he is, and that he is a giver of life, that he's a protector, that he's a provider, that he's an instructor of our lives, and our earthly fathers are to mirror those things. God gives, who is he? He's in this position because God has placed him there. He's a protector of me when I'm young. He's a provider. He's an instructor to me, and I should honor him. There's a couple of reasons, a couple of things that fathers should be because of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Fathers are to be mentors. speaks about teaching them when we're sitting down, when we rise up. Here's a startling bit of research done by Christian Businessmen's Committee. When the father is an active believer, there is about a 75% likelihood that children will become active believers. If only the mother is a believer, the likelihood is dramatically reduced to 15%. It's an amazing thing when we look around us. It's mainly the women that are spiritual, that, that, that do the teaching. I need to be a mentor to my child. I need to teach him about God. I need to teach him about others, their lost condition and the importance of reaching them for Christ. I need to teach him about himself that he's a sinner in need of a savior. So as a father, we need to be mentors. And then the second thing about fathers is that they need to be models. And some years ago at a prison, I do a lot of prison work. Uh, we were in a prison in Simcoe, our last prison service. It was quite dynamic when I shared with the guys and I had them form a circle in the room. And I stopped in the middle of the circle and said, this is the time we do business with God. And I'm going to let you decide in the quietness of the next few moments what you're going to do with Christ. And I was unaware that staff had joined the circle as well. So I don't know what happened there entirely other than God did some neat things there. I went in to Dorchester Penitentiary with my cell phone. Forgot to turn it in. And you have to put everything in a, in a locker and lock it down. And I forgot to turn my cell phone in. Soon as I finished speaking, wouldn't you know it, somebody called me on my cell phone. 
When that thing rang, every guard in the place came running over and said, What in the world are you doing with a cell phone in a place like this? I said, Isn't this where they came from? And they just leave them alone. I thought cell phones came from cells. In a maximum security prison, the state offered every man a card to write a note to his mother. And for Mother's Day, every man took a card. Later on, they made the same offer available on Father's Day. Not one card was picked up. How sad. How sad that is. Fathers are to be models of a husband. And a young child says, what should my husband look like? Daddy should have modeled it. What does a father look like? They look at their father. What does a real neighbor look like? What does Jesus look like? What does truth fleshed out look like? What does a good provider look like? What does a Christian look like? You should see a reflection in their father. Someone said it takes a few seconds to become a father, but it takes an entire lifetime to be a father. So fathers are to provide mentoring, they're to provide a model for their kids. But I put down a third thing here, that fathers are to provide moments or time with their children. He mentions it here when you sit down in those times that you're off, off work or you're, you're taking a little canoe trip or you're out fishing. Matt and I love to golf. I, it's quite a thing for Matt to go golfing with his dad because his dad's the worst golfer on the planet. Uh, Matt is the be one of the better. He would have made the pro tour, probably, they, they told me. When he swings, he has that Tiger Woods swing. And the people that are waiting to tee off say, wow. And then when I get up to follow him, because I'm always second, he always beats me, uh, they say, no, can't be his son. <laughs> and I was golfing with uh, some of the Edmonton Oilers and the David Nettowin, um and um, I was, my, my little group was, Nettowin was in it. And um, I, every time I hit a golf ball, it goes like this. So I got to plan that. I want to be on the fairway. The woods down this side, I hit it over the top of the woods. It's going to end up in the fairway. This particular day with all these people watching, there was a dog leg this way, and I hit it up over the woods, and it went as straight as an arrow right in the woods. I got in the woods, and I could see the flag out through the trees. There was a good-sized hole I could get that out there, except there was one thing between me and that flag, and it was a little picnic thing with a roof on it. You know, at the top, they raised the shingles up a little bit there, Brother Paul. I don't know what that's for, but... Anyway, I said, I'm going to just hit it from here, right out at the flag. I socked that thing, and the golf ball went up underneath that roof and those shingles, and I couldn't even get it out. So I'm a character. But moments of time, a little boy kept asking his father, Daddy, how much do you earn per hour? And finally, the father was annoyed, working on his computer. I make 40 bucks an hour. And stop being rude and go to bed. And then he thought he had been a little bit unkind to his kid, and he went up and found his kid on his knees praying. And here's what his kid prayed. Lord, I just need another $15, and then I can buy an hour of my daddy's time. How sad. How sad that is. We have a short few short years to make an impact on our children. 
will set them up for life. I jotted this down. Sadly, many people today find themselves going down all kinds of wrong paths, and often because they either have lacked the presence of a father figure or their early development was subject to abuse or bad parenting. I think about a dad today. I think about my own son. Matt is a good dad. And not because he's my son, but he's a good dad. I go to his Facebook and I saw just a few weeks back him and Layla, his little five-year-old daughter, going on a date. When Layla was born, Matt held her for about 40 minutes. And he talked to her the whole time. And he summed it up by saying something like this. Someday, some man is going to want to come and take you away from me. But you'll have to love you more than your daddy does. He'll have to love you more than your daddy. And he explained things out to that little child in his arms. He takes all his girls for dates. So someday when it comes time to choose, he will know what a good man looks like. My wife and I were there in December. Matt and them bought a new house. And so they were going to be tied up with a real estate agent at devotion time. Liam is seven years old. He said to us, I will do devotions tonight. And he got his Bible out and he looked at all of us and said, I want you to listen because I'll be asking questions on the text. And his grandmother was trying to handle the little one that was squirming, and he knew that she couldn't focus, so the very first question was to her. Here's a sign outside of his bedroom that said, Nobody in my bedroom under seven years of age. He's the oldest at seven, and he has three sisters. Layla came in his room. She loves her brother. And she said, Liam, I'm seven. Layla, how could you do that? That's a lie. He ran over and got his Bible and he read her Exodus chapter 20. And he expounded on the portion not to be false witnesses. I just said, wow, this is absolutely amazing. And then I see Matt at a hockey game with Liam. And he'll be, little caption will say, having a father-son moment. I think that's good. Providing some special moments for our kids. When you notice the relationship of Jesus to the Father. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I and the Father are one. So first of all, there's a powerful commandment here to honor our fathers. The second thing that I noticed about this is that the commandment is directed towards the children. Many times we beat up on the parents. But when he gives the commandment, young people, you listen carefully, the commandment is given to the kids. Honor thy father and thy mother. A powerful commandment is directed to the children, first of all. And I see here a family unit. God is laying it down here, what a family unit looks like. It's the basic social unit, provides stability. One said a nation is as strong as its homes. The family unit is not to be tampered with. It's not to be redefined. And it's not to be redesigned. It's one man 
for one woman for one lifetime. There is no room for adultery in this commandment. Honor thy father and thy mother and whatever relationships your father may have or vice versa. It has no room for bestiality. It has no room for homosexuality. It has no room for fornication. God doesn't want this tampered with. He holds it very, very sacred. And so the father was to be the instructor, the instructor, the spiritual leader in the home. You'd find, and we don't have time to go into it, how the Pharisees had this thing called Corbin, where they would lay aside money and say, this is for God, and neglect their parents sometimes. And Jesus said, you say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it's Corbin, that is a gift. By whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And you suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother. You do great injustice in neglecting your father and your mother. We can honor our parents with our attitude. They read our body language. You know how much we care. You honor your parents by your obedience. Stop doing the things that are ticking them off all the time. You can honor them with your speech. Tell them occasionally what they mean to you. This is not just mere verbiage here. This has the idea of this verse of Scripture to be practical, hands-on, dig-deep kind of thing, not lip service. Maybe it's time your parents were treated to something really super special. If we had time to go into it, you'd find out that any kind of disobedience and rebellion, whether smiting your parents, the penalty was death in the Old Testament. That's how serious God takes this thing. For the neighbor was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But mess with your parents and you paid deeply for it. Noah died drunk. It was Ham that received the greatest of judgment for dishonoring his dad. David was an imperfect man, and his boys paid dearly for dishonoring their father. Absalom died hanging by his hair from a tree. Amnon died, he was killed by his brother. Adonijah, his brother, killed him. There's a provision made for deadbeat dads, just in case you're saying, you know what, my dad wasn't much of a dad. Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. For a couple of years, when Burger Junction was in Woodstock, I used to go down every Tuesday, usually home on Tuesdays, and have lunch with the students from the high school. And there was quite a crew of us there, sometimes 15 or 20 of us there, and uh, the meal was five bucks, that included your whole meal and, and a drink of some sort. And I remember one little guy said this to me, I'm going to find my father. And I said to him, What's it going to be like? Tell me this. What's it going to be like the first five minutes of that meeting? And here's what he said. I'm going to beat the stuffing out of him for leaving us. Then we will fellowship. You see, that dad had provoked his boy. Let me give you this and I will finish up. I'm, I'm finishing on time from here on in for the rest of my life because I never get paid for overtime. Just figure that out after all these years, Brother Phil. I want to just read this from J.I. Packer and give you one more illustration. 
My wife said I circled the runway three times before I land. What we must realize is that God, who is himself a father, father of our Lord Jesus Christ and of all Christians through him, cares about families enormously. Family life with its built-in responsibilities for both parents and children is part of his purpose for all. And the way we behave as children and parents is a prime test both of our humanity and our godliness. Love, the caring love of parents who respect their children and want to see them mature, and the grateful love of children who respect their parents and want to see them content is a great need. How urgent it is in these days that parents, listen to this carefully, and children together should relearn the ways of the Christian family. In the West, yesterday's extended family has shrunk to today's nuclear family. Social security and community influences have reduced the family's importance as an economic unit. And all this is weak in family relationships. Parents are too busy to give time to their children, and young children identifying with current youth cultures are more prone than ever to write off their parents as clueless old fuddy-duddies. But the fifth commandment recalls us to God's order at this point. Honestly, said Packer, the fifth commandment brings us to this point. What is it? What has been your attitude towards your parents? Honoring them, respecting them, even if it's just the respect you give to the office. How much does my dad theology weigh? How much do I honor him? Do I hold him in high regard like I do my heavenly father? Is my honor just lip service or does it go deeper than that? Have I ever struck my father with my hands? Have I ever struck him with my attitudes? Maybe I need to give him a listening ear. There's a powerful commandment here to honor our fathers. The com powerful commandment is directed to the children. And thirdly, when acted upon, that powerful commandment brings rich blessing longevity that it may be well with thee the blessing of the Lord the Bible says makes rich it adds no sorrow with it let me give you this I got this from Chuck Swindoll my dad died last night he left like he had lived quietly graciously with dignity without demands or harsh words or even a frown he surrendered himself a tired frail humble gentleman into the waiting arms of his Savior as I stroked the hair from his forehead and kissed him goodbye, a hundred boyhood memories played around in my head. I have two. When I learned to ride a bike, he was there. When I wrestled with the multiplication table, his quick wit erased the hassle. When I discovered the adventure of driving a car, he was near, encouraging me. When I got my first job, delivering newspapers, he informed me how to increase my subscriptions and win the prize, and it worked. When I mentioned the young lady I had fallen in love with, he pulled me aside and talked straight about being responsible for her welfare and her happiness. When I did a hitch in the Marine Corps, the discipline I learned from him made the transition easier. From him I learned to sane for shrimp, how to fish flounder and catch trout and redfish, how to open oyster shells and fix crab gumbo and chili and popcorn and make rafts out of old inner tubes and gunny sacks. I was continually amazed at his ability to do things like tie fragile mantles on the old Coleman lantern, keep a fire going in the rain, play the harmonica with his hands behind his back, and keep three strong-willed kids from tearing the house down. Last night I realized I had him to thank for my deep love for my country and for knowing how to tenderly care for my wife and for laughing at impossibilities and for some of the habits I picked up, like approaching people with a positive spirit rather than a negative one, staying with a task until it is finished, 
taking care of my personal belongings, keeping my shoes shine, speaking up rather than mumbling, respecting authority, and standing alone if necessary in support of my personal convictions rather than giving in to the more popular opinions. For these things, I'm deeply indebted to the man who raised me. Certain smells and sounds now instantly remind me of my dad. Oyster stew, the ocean breeze, smoke from an expensive cigar, the nostalgic wine of a harmonica, a camping lantern, and white gas, car polish, fun songs from the 30s and 40s, freshly mowed grass, a shrill whistle from a father to his kids around supper time, Old Spice aftershave. Amazing I, uh, testimony. I think I have one little bit more to add to that here that I put here. I guess I probably have chopped it off. No, I've got it here. Because the father impacts his family so permanently, I think I understand better than ever what Paul said. Having thus a fond affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father with his children, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of, the, of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. He goes on to say this, Admittedly, much of my dad's instruction was indirect, by model rather than by explicit statement. I do not recall his overt declarations of love as clearly as I do his demonstration of it. His life revolved around my mother, the darling and delight of his life, I'm sure. When she left over nine years ago, something of him died as well. And so to her he has been joined, and they are together with our Lord in the closest possible companionship one can imagine. In this my brother and sister and I find comfort. They are now forever with the Lord, eternally freed from pain and aging and death, secure in Christ Jesus, absent from the body and home with him and with each other. Last night I said goodbye. I'm still trying to believe it. You'd think it would be easy since his illness had persisted for more than three years. How well I remember the Sunday he suffered that first in a series of strokes as I was preaching. God granted him several more years to teach many of us to appreciate the things we tend to take for granted. Listen to this. He leaves behind a legacy, a well-marked Bible I treasure, a series of feelings that I need to deepen my roots, a thousand memories that comfort me as I replace denial with acceptance and praise. I await heaven's gate opening in the not-too-distant future. So do other Christians who anxiously wait for Christ's return. Most of them anticipate the soft strum of a harp or the sharp staccato blast of a trumpet, but not me. I will hear the nostalgic whine of a harmonica held in the hands of the man who died last night. Poor Diddy. A father. Honor thy father and my mother, a weighty matter. How much does my father weigh? Maybe today you are not a Christian. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I'm born into this camp that Jesus would look at one day and say, Ye are of your father the devil. And as I'm born in sin, in the course of my life, I keep doing things that, that just causes a greater and greater separation until I'm weighted down with sin. And if I die in my sin, I'm lost in hell forever. But we read that God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, that's you, whosoever, that's me, believeth in Him, should not perish but have everlasting life. And I'm willing to turn from my sin 
and trust Christ. The Bible says, as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. That's when God becomes my father. And when he holds, puts his arms around me and holds me and takes care of me and protects me and provides for me from there on in. If God is not your father this morning, I can't urge you enough to do it now. Like those folks in Sawyerville. Let's do it now. Let's trust Christ. And maybe you say, you know what, we've never had any children. And you can be a father to some kid that doesn't have anybody. An old boss of mine by the name of Jerry LeBlanc taught me so many things. He fathered me. He'd, once in a while when I'd do a good job, he'd hold out his hand with a $20 bill in it and say, Old Trout, thanks for a good job. Old Trout is an affectionate term. And he taught me how when somebody needs a word of encouragement or needs a raise, be there before they ask for it. He said, son, keep yourself in tune with what's happening in the world around you. Read Time magazine. He gave me all the conservative magazines, all the liberal magazines. If you get too busy, read the editorial columns in the newspaper. But please keep yourself abreast with the world around you. Unsaved man taught me that. You can be a father to someone who doesn't have one. And lastly, maybe today I need to get some right things right with my father while I still have time to do it. I urge you to go home. And I urge you to take a little time this afternoon and say to myself, what does my father weigh to me? How does this weigh on my heart and mind? We will pray um, and close our service. Let's pray, please. Father, thank you this morning. Time is never on our side in this crazy, busy world. Lord, I pray today, you have certainly stroked my spirit in this past week to remind me of how I don't always honor you as I should. I sometimes get too busy. I sometimes neglect. And I sometimes do things that breaks my father's heart. Pray you'd forgive me. Mold me and shape me into a son. Somehow you can look down and say, this is my beloved son. Sure, we'll take a lot of work, Lord. I pray for those gathered here this morning. There might be somebody without Jesus Christ as Savior. They've never received the dear Son of God. Would you help them to see that now is the accepted time? Today is the day of salvation. We have no guarantee of any point. Help them to decide now. Just while our heads are bowed and they're not dragging this out. God's Spirit's at work, you'll respond to it. But how many people, maybe this morning you came and said, You know what? I really don't know God is my Savior. I just, I've never made that decision to trust Him. And I want to do that this morning. If that's your desire, you slip a hand up anywhere in this auditorium. Say, I want to have Christ in my life. It might be a dad who needs to be saved. It might be a child you got a great dad, and you're not saved. The greatest joy you could bring to your dad today is come to know Christ as your Savior. Is there anybody? Slip your hand up nice and high. I'm trusting Christ as my Savior today. And I'm not going to embarrass you by asking you as Christians to raise your hand. But I do want you, if God's Spirit has tugged at you, to deal with the matter that he laid on your heart. Father, we pray you dismiss us with your blessing. Help us in the sacred meeting with our God not to rush out and get involved in a whole bunch of commotion, but just to be quiet for a while and let the Spirit of God speak to us.
Dismiss us with your blessing and bless the leadership and uh, this great church. Continue to broaden the vision and uh, use them in the powerful ways you have over the years. And uh, we thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Phil, do you need?